A commercial space freighter in the middle of the cosmos finds a threat that is out of this world. It's Alien. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. white noise or your alien impression alex that's the alien as it lingers over top of you slowly <laughs> as its mouth comes out to to put a hole in your face uh, welcome back to the monsters versus men podcast the bargain basement of the monster podcasting airwaves this week as we try to stay alive we are discussing alien uh of course with me today is little baby alien alex <laughs> and, and joining me is the that <laughs> mummified skeleton in the in the cockpit. Eric, <laughs> I'll take mummified skeleton. I was afraid you were going to call me android for just a second. So no, 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 no. That was too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> that was too obvious. Let's <laughs> <sighs> uh, get. I am excited about this series, Alex. To be honest. Um, me too. You told me you watched this movie in two sittings, Eric. And honestly, it upset me a little bit. <laughs> and it's just, I've been really busy. But despite how busy I've been, I am excited about this series. Um, yeah, this movie is fantastic, of course. Spoilers for our review that we're about to have. But uh, yeah, overall, I'm excited to kind of dive into this lore. Because I've never... I, I've enjoyed a couple of these movies, but I've never done a deep dive into the lore behind these movies. And I think by watching these week by week, it'll be more of that deep dive. That'll be fun to get into. Yes. Yes, it will. Oh man. I'm so excited for this series. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, while watching this, I realized I hadn't watched this version of the film since it, since the director's cut in quotes, I guess, was mm-hmm. released on DVD, um, nice. which was back when we went to college, uh, freshman year, I think. Um, so maybe, do you just watch the original version of this? So I, or did yeah, you watch the director's cut? I watched the original version because um, that's what we said we were going to do, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here, I, we can go ahead and spoil it. Did you see a scene where uh, men were like, Trap were being strung up by like goo, and no. okay, well there you go. Then you didn't see it. Um, <laughs> so there's a scene in the director's cut, which, by the way, Ridley Scott says the version we watched is the best version. Yeah, <laughs> even though he did a director's cut, um, yeah. but he did up the pacing and stuff. And I did notice, like you know, the film does move a little bit slower. The director's cut's actually a minute. Well, less. It's actually one minute less. Really? Yes. Um, what? Yeah. That is. A, that's got to be like a different sort of first, right? Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> that is interesting. That is really, really interesting. Isn't it? 
Um, huh. <laughs> and wow. so what he says he did with the director's cut is that he wanted to make it more for modern audiences. So less lingering <sighs> shots in the hallways. Um, and then he also added a couple scenes back in that were cut. Oh. And so it was just very, very interesting. And so it was modern he made it for more modern audiences. So it's like 1979 versus 2008. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. He thought but maybe the, the, it needed to pick up the pace. But again, I, he said, I understand that. Was- I understand that for like, what's sad is like, I get it. Yeah. Oh, I know. Right. I get it for the quote modern audience. Like even in 30 years time, <laughs> how our attention span has deteriorated. <laughs> Yeah. It's not, I'm not kidding, right? Like, yeah, we're like, this is slow, but it's part of that slowness that I think makes this a better movie. I don't, I haven't even seen the other one, I don't even care to watch it now. I yeah. just, I'm, I'm okay with this one. If Ridley Scott says this is the best one, I, I believe him. Well, and I think he's right. Um, after seeing, I've seen both, and I do remember some of the differences, uh, but watching this version for the first time in so, so long. Um, there is a pretty significant difference in even the portrayal of Ripley. Um, we'll, we'll we'll get into that a little bit uh, as we go along. Well, maybe we should get into it since we're already discussing the film. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This series may have started with the chronological start of the alien and predator movies with prey a couple weeks ago, but the movie that started it all was 1979's alien directed by Ridley Scott. Alien took the sci-fi epic and added a distinct horror element. I don't think you're going to hear hot takes from us here about this film because we're both fans and what else is there really to say that hasn't been said? It is going to be hard to say something pretty unique here, but I think we can start with this question. What makes this film stand out as potentially one of the greatest sci-fi slash horror slash straight up films of all time. Is this a sci-fi horror film? Is that a thing, Alex? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> you know, but you're right, though, Eric. There's probably not going to be a bunch of hot takes here. You know, there are a number of things that make this film stand out and make it be a science fiction horror movie, despite the odds. You know, the the H.R. Geiger design of the alien it just spills into the design of the alien ship, the atmosphere of just everything. You can just feel it. I mean, it feel the everything feels dangerous and oppressive. Even their own ship, it feels almost unexplo- unexplorable because of how big it is. Um, and it just feels like they can never know what's truly around any corner. And a lot of that is probably attributed to the practical sets, which are absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't believe how well done they are. It's genuinely like awe inspiring. Like I was watching, you know, when they dropped down the shaft in the alien ship yeah. to find the eggs, that shot was amazing. <laughs> I'm not even sure how they did it. <laughs> and, no. I, and these were like, this is like one of those times where I would love to sit through the special features and and figure out, you know, like what, what what's what's real and what's not, because you, you really do have a question mark sometimes on on 
what is not part of the set, right? It's just so cool. Um, and the thing is, like, the film sets up the atmosphere for, like, an hour before anything, like, truly terrifying happens. Yes, we do get the face hugger, but it kind of stops there. Um, mm. And somehow... Yeah, it, do- it actually is kind of constrained in its horror. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super reserved. And it somehow manages to deliver the horror in really impressive ways, really perfectly, I think, following up on that atmospheric buildup at the beginning. And the world that is created just in that first 40 minutes, let alone the rest of the film, it just, it paints this extensive history that we're not privy to. Plus, who doesn't love an evil corporation in films? Yeah, you know? no, no, you're right. So I, I think this dangerous and oppressive atmosphere that you're talking about, I think a lot of it has to do with what I would call the weight of this film. And, and there's a lot in the sets. There's there's a trend, I think, it, and all of this kind of fits together, I think, because there's a trend in modern sci-fi movies to make everything real light to make everything, it doesn't have an impact. It's right. like smooth and steady. And a lot of that has to do with CGI, right? And it's easy. Mm-hmm. And it's hard it, to make weight. Quicker, it is. right? It's, it's hard to make something feel weighty. And yet here in this film, everything feels physical. So you have the moments of landing and takeoff that each time it feels heavy. Yes. <laughs> You've got things that maybe aren't quite as dated but make give the film this unique charm like the analog sort of displays <laughs> yes. um, versus, you know, kind of this digital digitalized screens that we're used to. I love that aspect though. It's just unique um, and it will always stay unique to this film and it creates its own unique universe Dude, that Alien has. I love uh, I love retro futurism. I think it's It's so cool. It's so cool. It is. It's so cool. It's so cool. And it's like you can't plan on it. It just happens naturally, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the the other thing, it's just it goes back to this movie magic idea. And this is a film that I think has so much of that movie magic. I don't think we get much of that anymore with the kind of CGI movies, unfortunately. because we know it's all done through a computer. And so there's no like, you're, you, you don't have those question marks about, was that like, what, how, how did they do that? Well, they just did that on a computer screen, right? Uh, you don't have those questions in films anymore, but you have those questions here. How did they build those sets? I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, like it took so much work. To, to create these things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to create one room took so much time and effort. Uh, so it's just impressive in, in all those ways. But another thing that you mentioned actually before we even got into our film introduction, it's the stillness and the silence of this movie that helps make it into something timeless mm-hmm. um something that people will keep watching this movie for years 
and it will still hold up. Like this movie will net. I don't think this is a movie that will never not hold up. Yes. Because of how it's made. Uh, and because of just the stillness and the silence that it allows itself to give. There's, there is a lot of dialogue at times in this movie, but the dialogue's almost weird. And it's, it's not, the movie's not about what happens in the dialogue. Um, it's what happens between the dialogue yes. in, in the more still moments. The dialogue is almost like in the sound design itself. You don't even really understand what they're saying half the time. It's true. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And that, that's that's something we talked about actually in our Jurassic Park movie, Alex, like uh, our Jurassic Park review, how the dialogue is unpolished. Yes. But that also makes it better because it's it, it just wouldn't happen today. The dialogue in... Alien is definitely unpolished. It's just more off the cuff. It feels like, and it doesn't matter as much. All the every line isn't like you have to hang on to every word. It's not what it's about. It's about what happens between those moments of dialogue. It's about what happens to the characters. It's about what happens to our main character, and, and I think that's what makes this movie timeless. Yeah, I, I really, I think so too. I mean. There, there's so many elements and it's like you said there are some audio hiccups with the dialogue where it's like oh yeah. they didn't get a clear track and they just had to use <laughs> use what they had yeah. right but it's fine <laughs> it, it, it's okay <laughs> yeah there, there, there is a charm to just something being that way uh but then you know there's all these elements that i think really just work to bolster the movie but it's the and we all hear about the effects and stuff like that, right? But one of the things we really, I don't feel like we hear enough about is the music and the use of silence. It's so perfect. And there are two things that the film does that I really liked. And it's soft and it's quiet, but it really ratches up everything around it without you quite realizing it. And I think the only reason I even mm. almost noticed it maybe was because I was had headphones on while I was watching this time. And so I was like really getting <laughs> I was really getting the audio yeah. experience this time around. And what it does is it uses this very soft heartbeat sound during mm. tense moments where you would typically hear like silence or some sort of music. And it's this really light heartbeat sound that plays quite a bit actually during the the tense moments. And then when they set the self-destruct device, there is a very subtle TikTok sound Mm -hmm. that just goes nonstop, except for when it switches over to the heartbeat sound. And it's just Mm -hmm. so cool. I love it. It really adds to the pressure, especially when they're under the, under the gun to get to the shuttle. And, you know, they have all these things they got to do to make it onto the shuttle and it's just, it's so tense and awesome. I <laughs> i just love the use of it. It's just one of those details that I've never picked up on before. And probably, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the talk about the film is, is, you know, a lot of the visual elements, which are awesome. But it's just something mm-hmm. new that I noticed for a change. Yeah. So you mentioned the score there. When I was first watching this film, about 30 minutes in, I'm like, you know, maybe a criticism of this film would be that it doesn't have like a score that we really think about. Uh, 
You know, it's not, it doesn't have like this epic. And then as the movie progresses, I'm like, no, like that is a, that would be a stupid critique because the score here is this very understated <laughs> uh, type of score that is just tense and menacing and mysterious altogether. And it's not played very much because we get these other audio beats like you're mentioned, like you're mentioning. There's there's it does have that silence and it should have that silence because we're in the middle of space with nowhere to turn, yeah. right? Uh, we have long takes because that's where we're at. We're, we, we, there's that isolation. That's, that's why you have to have those moments that are so still is because you have to feel that isolation in that hallway in order to bring up the intensity. So, Eric, you missed an opportunity there. You said in space where you have nowhere to turn. I thought you were going to say in space where no one can hear you scream, which is, you know, where <laughs> this came from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, the other thing I would say, so we mentioned the dialogue is it's unpolished and it's almost like kind of a side feature of the movie. The performances are also a bit unpolished at times. Like they're not these, they're not these uh, Oscar winning performances that you're going to see, but that also gives it its own unique charm and realism. I think um, mm -hmm. where you're, you're not quite sure how to read a character all the time or a character seems too easy to read. Sometimes I, I find all of that really fascinating. Um, and there's not a, single performance here that I think is bad. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, they just don't have this sort of um, polished veneer on them uh, that you might get in, in the heavily edited version, or maybe even in the director's cut of this film. Yeah. You make a really interesting point about the polish. There's just, there is something about modern acting compared to like what we were getting back then. That's just not always, but sometimes a lot of yeah, times it always. feels almost too clean. And mm -hmm. the, the, the rough edges of this make it so much more interesting and just, I don't know. I'm trying to find <laughs> the right words to put, but I guess interesting might be the best word. And I just, I guess charm, I guess I've already used that, but charm is another good one. Um, intrigue. intrigue. It's just so, there's something missing about that acting in today's, you know, performances. Cinema. But, yeah. and you know, that kind of goes right into what something else I was wanting to talk about, just about the, the story in general, um, how, how visual it is. Just our, you know, our characters, we don't, we don't know a lot about them, and I like that. We don't have to get into why the why why Ellen Ripley becomes the hero of the film, right? And the the film likes to not answer things. Um, I, you know, I, I love the intrigue and the very real possibility that Wayland Utani knew about the aliens, not just like happened across them, but they knew about them. And they sent these people out there to obtain the creature on purpose. Because to me, it feels mm. like it was the plan all along. But it's mm. never explicit. 
I like that about the movie. You can wonder if they just saw the opportunity and jumped on it, or whether they were purposely sent that way. To my read on yeah. it is that they were totally sent out there to grab it. Um, but it's not explicit. Now, I think if you watch some of the other movies, you might be able to figure out that maybe they knew about it. I don't know. That's still up in the air. But when we get the mystery of the, you know, of the, well, you know, what the, what is this alien? What's it do? It bursts out of this guy's chest. That's a shocking moment. But, you know, we see the, the space jockey, as he was called back then. Um, and just this, you know, giant desolate planet with this giant spaceship. And it's, it just raises so many questions. I love that this is the case and that we don't drill down into the past of not just the, our characters, like I said, but the alien that is dead in that chair as well. I like that we don't have any of these answers. You know, we're in a lived-in mm-hmm. universe with characters as they are now, as all the all the entire universe is as it is, you know, as it has been long before we jumped into this story. And there's something really cool about that. You know, a lot of film, we've talked about this with other movies, but I feel like we would have gotten Ellen's tragic back uh, backstory about how someone was mean to her in high school. Yep. And now that's why she feels like she can take this thing on head to head yep. or something like that. Right. Well, it's, I, we see this, honestly, you saying that right now just reminded me of underwater. underwater yep. Right. Yeah. Which definitely is influenced by alien. There's absolutely no question oh, about yeah. it, but it, 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 it feels the need to give us that backstory. Doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. Uh, and, and that's one of the, maybe the faults with it, but I did appreciate that in that movie. It maybe explains yeah. why she's more willing to do what she does at the very end. Um, but yeah. the, either way, I agree. I like the mystery. I like that. It's not explained in that way. Um, and then, you know, there's some other interesting things about this, you know, I'm trying this time around, I was trying to watch it from the perspective of someone that's never seen it before or heard of it. And you know, it's impossible, mm-hmm. but I tried to. It was really cool to watch it this time and just kind of see how the movie really feels like it sets up Dallas to be the hero, to be this leading man. Mm. Um, mm. It's not Ripley is prominent in it um, early on, but she's not. It doesn't feel like she's the lead, right? Dallas is no, the, Dallas is the one going to mother, right? He's the one with sole access. Now, what's interesting, you know, knowing what happens, but is that. Dallas, in those moments when he goes to Mother, he doesn't feel like a leading man anymore whenever he's in there. He feels pretty weak. Mm. He feels pretty like he can't make a decision a lot of times. Um, And so there's a lot of these hints about his character that maybe he's not the main character because he is so indecisive. And he lets Mm. other people take control. He lets Ash take control quite a bit. Um, and And I'm just... I, I love that new aspect of it. Like that. I just never have picked. Cause he, I just, I've always known, right. Ripley is the main character. And so I've always watched it with that perspective, but it's just so cool to kind of realize that. And then, you know, the Android twist is so yeah. good. Now the, the, there is a massive issue with it too, though, that I noticed this time. I've never noticed it before. It doesn't mm. make any, it doesn't make any sense. She's Why? in that room with the Android, right? Uh, she's in Mother. Mm-hmm. He appears next to her. 
silently, which is fine. Maybe she's focused on this. She doesn't hear him come in. No big deal. But she she kind of grabs him. She shoves him a little bit. He doesn't hit his head or anything. She walks out of that room, has a nosebleed from nothing. And he is bleeding his android fluid. But nothing caused mm. either one of them to bleed. So I did read into it. Like, went online to figure out what happened. Apparently, there was a, a, a scene that was supposed to be filmed where an airlock gets blown, and they both, like, you know, get smacked around, and her nose bleeds from it, and he gets that cut. And that's when they realize. So, instead, Interesting. there's no scene there. I didn't even pick up on it. it doesn't make it. any sense. I just thought it was, like, I, I just thought it was literally tension. Like, like, uh, like he was sweating. Sweat. And, and I think that's yeah, what a lot of I people, thought it was I think sweat. that's why a lot of people have accepted it. But if you pay attention, yeah. when she walks out of that room, she has a bloody nose, that's and then it goes away while they're fighting, and it comes back. Huh. Yeah, so uh, big bottle, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, the twist is still, it's still awesome. It's still awesome. I mean, and then the chest burster. We've hardly even talked about it, but it's just such an amazing moment, and I love that they surprised the actors with that moment as well which is just such a funny bit of oh, yeah. like they didn't know anything about it and then it happened on set oh my gosh <laughs> so, so, so cool. a lot of their reactions cool. are genuine when that thing happened yeah just natural <laughs> reactions exactly yeah wow that's cool that is cool yeah so you, you started to get into some of the themes that i think you can see here and honestly i don't want to go too in depth with themes because there have literally been dissertations <laughs> written about themes here. <laughs> uh, there have been books written about, like I, this is the book I saw about feminism and alien. And I can see that there's definitely those sorts of themes that you can read into uh, in this film for sure. But I think what makes this film so easy to read into it, again, it goes back to that silence and that universal quality and the fact that we don't have these backstories like you mentioned of all these characters. Because we don't, each of these characters are a, are a blank slate that we can read onto. And because of the silence, you get those moments to read onto them and the moments, the moments to let the film breathe, uh, as I've said before. And, and so for me, this time, I just found, found myself looking at the bureaucratic angle of uh, this movie and just the, the chain of commands yes. of this movie, which, which I find super interesting. And I, it's obviously personal for me and just thinking about just things in my own life and my own like professional career that, that make me read into things in the film that stand out to me because of where I'm at in my own career. And it's like, everybody's going to be able to bring in something to this movie and find something to relate mm -hmm. to. Um, I just, I, I find that part really intriguing. And again, it's another reason why this film stands the test of time today and will continue to do so. Absolutely, man. Uh, yeah, th those moments where, and it's fun, like when you know about the Android situation, all the hints and all the, like, yeah. the weird things where Ash steps out of line or does something he shouldn't do or all of these mm -hmm. elements are so interesting. And again, his actions early in the film indicate to me that he knows what he's doing because mother hasn't made a decision yet right but ash yep. has made a decision 
and he knows he's yeah. got a plan the whole time. It seems like so. I, I I love like you said those chain of command moments where Ripley has command, Ash steps out of line. When Dallas yeah. isn't willing to make a call, so he relinquishes it to Ash. Like there's just mm-hmm. all these moments. Ah, just very very cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, so cool. Uh, MVM Plus today, before we get into our awards, MVM Plus today is a good old-fashioned host chat. Uh, we catch up because we haven't caught up in a while and, and talk about some of the films, TV series, books we've been watching and reading recently. It's a nice one to catch up uh, and, and to hear some of our latest recommendations. We finished a couple series um, and, and want to recommend those to you so if you're interested in that you can find that over at patreon.com forward slash mbm pod but alex let's get into these awards right. coolest character our most compelling character who do you I have give it to parker uh you know him and i can't think of his partner's name i know the actor harry dean stanton's character yeah um they brett. yeah brett i i they're, they come off very early on as like these smooth talking guys who just, you know, they just want them to get their, their share mm-hmm. of things because they feel like they've done X amount of work and that they deserve it. We don't know the, if it's the case or not, but you know, they, they cut initially to me, they come off as a little annoying. Yeah. And then pretty quickly, I kind of, especially Parker, uh, actually both of them, they become endearing. And then you, you, I really liked Parker, especially when he starts having to step up his game when his friend dies and he's having to cobble these weapons together for everybody, mm-hmm. which is so cool, right? They're, they're, um, they're a mining operation and he's having to put these mining weapons together to create something to keep the alien at bay, which is just so cool. And so yeah. I, I would love to know like a little bit more about Parker. Just, I, actually, I just want to know, Parker, did he deserve the money, his share at the end? I would say probably yes, because yeah. it was so much stuff. But I mean, obviously with the alien encounter, yes. But I want to know, you know, <laughs> I would like to see a, uh, a spinoff of the two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. My, my most compelling character is a character we don't get much about, and that is Kane, mm. played by John Hurt. Um Kane is the most enthusiastic and curious character uh, in this film. He's the one who's like, oh, well, obviously we've got to go investigate. And I'll be, he volunteers. He's like, I'll be the one to go. And Dallas is like, yeah, that figures, right? Uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, of course, that figures. You will be the one because he's, he seems like he's always that person that's going to be enthusiastic to go. And so we don't, again, we don't get that backstory, but that's what makes him compelling is what, what drives him, what makes him um, so willing and eager to really kind of do some stupid stuff, in my opinion. <laughs> Right. But he's very enthusiastic. Uh, And so that makes him that makes him compelling to me. Uh, Plus, John Hurt is really cool, too. So, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's there's a couple actors here where you're like, wow, that guy's kind of legendary. And he was in this movie. So it's (laughs) Uh, so weird to see John Hurt this young for me. Yeah, exactly. John Hurt young is very strange. I I didn't even recognize him uh, at first. So, yeah, really cool. Uh, to see John Hurt as Kane, and Kane was a compelling character to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about your most memorable line award? Uh, so this was just kind of like this exchange, and it's one of these exchanges that is almost throwaway. This is this is one of as I said, the dialogue isn't as important as as kind of the actions that take place. But this was a really quick scene um, while they're exploring the alien ship. There's just a quick cut to Ripley and Ash, and Ripley says, "Ash, that transmission." Mother's deciphered part of it. it. It doesn't look like an SOS. And Ash says, what is it then? Well, I, it looks like a warning. I'm going to go after them. Right? Mm-hmm. There's this moment where, where things aren't quite what they seem. Right? right. And it, it's also interesting in, in retrospect, thinking about Ash's role in this whole thing, um, how much he was, he was kind of in control the whole time and whether or not it was a warning or an SOS is, is another kind of mystery, but I like the fact that she catches on and and wants to, to help them out. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) I actually had written that, that one down as well. Um, The other one I wrote down was Ash, you know, marveling about the, the xenomorph. He says it's structural perfection is matched only by its aggression. That is cool. That was a great line. Yep. <laughs> it is a great line. I thought about that one too. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so good. What um, about Can't Believe That Acting Award? I had to give it to Sigourney Weaver. I, yeah. I feel like I'd be, if one of us didn't do it, we'd be no, doing be a bad. disservice. <laughs> <laughs> She's so great in this role. Uh, yeah. You know, perfectly understated, but also kind of knows that things aren't being run the way they should. Um, and she even, you know, calls out com- the, com- the chain of command a couple of times. She kind of, yep. you know, she she wants to follow the chain of command. She doesn't want to let Kane in because that violates the protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, and she seems like she's willing to make the hard call. But then who steps in? Ash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really like that. And she really conveys a lot of the she shows the growth of the character, right? But also mm-hmm. that she is absolutely terrified. You know, there's all these oh, yeah. moments where she gets cornered. It feels like by the thing, or she does get cornered several times or, and she just illustrates that horror so well in a way that you don't see a lot. And even modern horror movies, I feel like, like it's kind of like you said, it's almost too clean when they get scared in a modern horror movie, because this is like, so panicked. It feels like, yeah, but also just cool enough to make it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a lot of props to her. What about yeah. you? Well, we've been talking about him a lot here in our awards, but Ash, Ian Holm, who plays Ash's character, is my can't believe that acting award. He does a great job once you get the big reveal that he's an android. But looking back, it's even more impressive just kind of how he subtly hinted at the fact. And we honestly, I had yeah. forgotten that he was Android completely forgotten. And so <laughs> I was like, wow, that was fantastic. But I could look back at a couple of moments that just seemed a little off. They were like, yep, that makes complete sense now. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so I've got to give it to Ian Holm uh, for can't believe that acting. Yep. He did. The, honestly, er, almost everybody. I would say everybody here does a really great job. Yeah, 
Yeah, mm. I, I agree. Yeah. It's also nice that you just have this kind of like confined cast, right? You can kind of identify each person pretty easily here. Yes. Um, what about your, oh, that's a good shot. Uh, this is uh, close to the end of the film where mm-hmm. she's making her getaway. She's in the suit and she's just looking out the window with her spacesuit on and uh, the lights like reflecting off of it. And you just see some of the stars outside the window and it's a side shot of her. It's just such a cool yeah. shot. There's so many good ones in here. There's That's so the many. There's so many iconic shots in here, I feel like, right? Like, it's interesting. I didn't remember the fact that Ash was a android. Right. But I did remember the fact that I just remember, like, these very specific shots and, like, moments. Um, they, they've been ingrained in my visual, uh, m- like, memory. So the one that stands out to me, though, is the shot of Harry Dean Stanton who I, I really mm. like Harry Dean Stanton a lot. Yes. It's the shot when the water's coming down from that shaft and he's almost like showering himself. Um, and he kind of like rinses himself and cleanses himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about that moment, but that moment is just horrifying. <laughs> uh, he cleanses himself. It's like you think in a, in a typical sense, you know, you're, you're kind of in a symbolic sense he's cleansed himself and now he's going to kind of turn things around here. He cleanses himself and it's like, we know it's preparation for his impending doom. Um, But it's something about the lighting, just about the angle about Harry Dean Stanton. That's just such a memorable close up of his face as that water comes down and he rinses himself off. So got to, got to have a shout out for our fellow Kentuckian here. Oh yeah. It's a tense moment too, because you're yeah. just waiting for that thing to drop on him while he's doing that. Cause it goes oh, on yeah. for quite a while. It does again. Yeah, it does. And, and you're just waiting for him to get dropped in that. Oh moment. yeah. But no, it's later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, for me, Oh, I already gave mine. Oh, what, oh, mm-hmm. what's your unique award? Unique award. Uh, so I've got the greatest survivor award, and yeah, I guess we could give it to Ripley, but too easy. I'm, I'm it's too easy. You got to give it to to Jonesy. <laughs> Jonesy spent the most time around the xenomorph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jonesy is the true survivor here, and definitely uh, held his own against the xenomorph. Um, which I guess technically wasn't called a xenomorph at this time, was it? No, Alien. it didn't, didn't have a didn't have a name at this point, as far as I know. Yeah, so I, I like the fact that it survives <laughs> and it gets to have a nice peaceful sleep. And you know, you know what is weird though? Huh? Why does why does it spare him? Because it don't puts know. its face right up in front of it. Yeah, don't know, don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. What about you? Um. Yeah, I gotta go. Oh, what the heck was that award? And that goes to the scene that is on the floor when I saw her. Uh, <laughs> that that's I guess on the editing floor or no? It didn't even get filmed. But when she walks out with that bloody nose, and oh, yeah. I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> and then I had to spend fifteen minutes looking it up online <laughs> to figure out what the heck happened. That's funny. Sure enough, 
It was that. Yeah. Just sure not enough. filmed. It was just like Missing that uh, Jurassic World stuff where they didn't film the ship stuff at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, man. Final thoughts and tiered rating. I think we've kind of spoiled what our rating is of this film. So I'll go ahead and go first if you want me to. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a Godzilla tier film <laughs> and a top tier Godzilla tier film uh, for all the reasons that we've said before. I think mm. it's it's mythic almost in the way that it is universal. And I like that aspect of it. It's, we haven't even gotten into some of the other crazy aspects of this film, the, the monster design, which I'm sure we could do a deep dive into the xenomorphs design here. Um, some of the practical effects, the, the final, the climax, there's so much to go into and so much to say about the themes here that we could be recording for another couple hours and still have more to say. Um, So with that said, I think it's, it's easy for me to wrap it up and say, this is a definite Godzilla tier film. Mm, For sure. And I'm right there with you. It's just such an impressive film from every angle. You know, if Jurassic Park can be forgiven for its paddock scene, then I can forgive for it, or I guess it's in continuity during its paddock scene. Um, then I can forgive this for having a bloody nose at the wrong moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, man, uh, from the effects to the music to the acting and the characters and just the world, the sheer amount of world building done in the first 30 minutes is absolutely amazing. Yeah, there, there, there's nothing else like this. Um, and it's why it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, so, yeah, definitely upper tier Godzilla. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, Alex, that we've brought up Jurassic Park a couple times in this episode. <laughs> um, there's there's a correlation there. Right? <laughs> uh, they're both they're two of our favorite films, like both of us. We, we both think those two films are awesome. Mm-hmm. And for some of the same reasons, I think when we look back at it, um, yeah, there's a timeless quality to both of them that it's hard to point a finger on exactly, but you can feel it when you watch it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it, it's yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe you just have to scramble your audio a little bit, get a little fuzzy camera <laughs> angle. Cause there is an opening shot here. That's a little blurry. Maybe that's all uh-huh. it takes, and suddenly you're one of the best films of all time. Oh, that's all, that's all it takes. <laughs> all right, next week we have Aliens, Alex. Do you have a rhyme for Aliens? Uh, next week we've got Aliens. We know Jam- James Cameron won't be Falians this movie. Ooh. There you go. Yeah, there you that's go. That's a banger. All right, James. Yeah, James Cameron takes over. Interesting. Yes. When Alien goes plural <laughs> will it take us on a swirly whirl <laughs> i haven't seen aliens alex you ha- that's the one you haven't seen no right. no we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out uh, so this is a james Isn't that Cameron crazy joint, right james. what i want uh, so i'm looking i know we're we were talking about watching the theatrical version but yeah. This is James Cameron we're talking about. Yeah. 
I think we gotta watch. I think we gotta watch the theatrical version of Aliens. We can watch the director's cut of Alien Three. Well, yeah, we're definitely doing that. We're definitely doing <laughs> for both of our sakes. Um, but yeah, sounds good, man. Okay, all right, sounds good. <laughs> Next week, Aliens theatrical edition. <laughs> and as always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback at mvmpod.com or email us at mvmpod at gmail.com. You can follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. Become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus content including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, a review or a share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, Christopher Clavero, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rob Bamford for PlayStation 3, which forms cell block B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't go into the shaft. Just don't. <laughs> and try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. white noise or your alien impression alex that's the alien as it lingers over top of you slowly (laughs) as its mouth comes out to to put a hole in your face